Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. All of us know that law enforcement is much in the news these days. The headlines scream, different points of views, controversies about law enforcement and law enforcement officers. And people wonder what it's really like to be a man or a woman wearing that blue uniform, sometimes undercover, but always trying to enforce the law. And then how do you manage yourself when so much power is placed in your hands? So much to talk about. And this week on Viewpoint, we want to introduce you to someone in real life who has given his life to a just and peaceful society, even at the risk of his own life. His story will make your hair stand on end. Stay with us. As you listen to our broadcast today, you may want to give us a call. Your thoughts, your ideas, your comments, and your questions, your prayer requests are always welcome, and we're by the phone 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'll give you this toll-free number at the end of the broadcast, but right now even, you might want to write it down. 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. Today, I'm so glad to introduce to you my friend, my brother in Christ. His name is Sam Hanna. He has spent a lifetime as a career officer in law enforcement, working in the sheriff's department mostly in Madison County, where we call home. This is in the northeast quadrant of the Indianapolis Metro. Sam, thanks for being with us today. You're most welcome. And uh, Sam, you have stories to tell. I have been regaled by your life. You know, I get to go to work some days and I just park my car in a parking place. I go into an office and I talk to people on the phone. I write letters. I have meetings. People come to see me. You've spent a lifetime getting in your car and looking for trouble, so to speak, (laughs) trying to (laughs) minimize trouble. But you never know from one day to the next what the adventure will be. And today we want to talk about something early in your career that was a transformational experience, the kind of stuff we see on TV actually the kind of stuff that was made into a television documentary about when you, in an ordinary day, just before the Thanksgiving holiday, found yourself at death's door. Sam, first let me say that your story that we'll talk about today is captured in a new book that you've written. What's it called? It's called Point Blank. Point Blank, which is very apropos (laughs) because you've not just held a gun in your hands, you've stared one down in someone else's hands. And that brings us to our tale, your story today. Uh, it goes back to November 19, 1978. Whoa, November 19, 1978. That sounds like such a long time ago, but you're still a young guy. How old were you then? I was, I believe, uh, 25 maybe. 25, and you were working in law enforcement then? I was. I had been for about three years. What were you doing? Just uh, A patrol officer. A patrol officer. And uh, it was the day before Thanksgiving? Yes, and it was... Uh, Six-month wedding anniversary for me. Wow. So lots to look forward to? Yes. And what happened? I was preparing to go to church that morning, and I got a phone call that there had been three men break out of the Madison County Jail. And being the small department back in that day, they seemed to call everybody out to take care of whatever the emergency might be. And I got called in to help look for, and later found the three guys who had escaped. Were these dangerous guys? They had had felonies on the records, uh, what we call crimes of violence, so I would say yes. As a matter of fact, we had been told during that time of looking for them that there was guns involved. All right, so this is your job. Yes. And uh, in time, these three fellows were apprehended. Yes, up in 
place called Alexandria, Indiana, which is about uh, 10 miles north of Anderson. Which is where you were based. Based for the Sheriff's Department. And then what happened? We took them to jail, and they were later transported to the um, penalty reformatory. For a, sa- a state sa- prison. State prison for safekeeping. And myself and several officers went to supper, and it was about 10 o'clock. And normally on that time, I was working the shift from 4 to midnight. Okay. So I had been out way before my shift even started. But now it was about 10 o'clock. I had about a couple hours left in my shift. And when I received a phone call that just south of Anderson, uh, near Interstate I-69, uh, there had been a complaint of a suspicious vehicle. Uh, I was sent to the area to investigate. A suspicious vehicle. What does that I mean? When you get a call like that, it, what does it, that mean? It could be anything. It could be a car broke down. It could be somebody looking for an address. Uh, it could be a couple arguing stopping in the roadway, having a disagreement. It could even be someone casing an area looking for a house to break into. But somebody has observed something suspicious yes. involving a vehicle, and uh, you're out on the road, and, and you're going to go check it out. Sure. There were two units working that night. One was north, one was south, and I happened to be the south unit, and I was the closest to that call. So you find your way to the highway or the reference point? It's it a residence, and I talked to the gentleman who called in the complaint, and he had gave me a really good uh, description of the vehicle and said that he didn't know if there was a couple arguing, but they were talking loudly, and that's why I got his attention, And but the car was, had left a few minutes before I got there. So now you start looking for the car? I wasn't really looking for it. I figured maybe they were just on their way and whatever, but on my way back to Anderson, I passed the vehicle he had given me a description of. And what did you do next? I turned my vehicle around, got behind it, put my red license siren on to get them to stop. They kept going, then finally pulled into the driveway. And then your protocol would be to get out of the car? Sure. I got got out of my car, went out and was talking to the driver. And um, it was obvious that something was wrong, but I couldn't tell. I didn't know if the guy had been drinking or or something, but I wanted to get him back to my car to do a little further conversation because he would not give me his driver's license. Was he alone? He had a girl with him. And And so she stayed in the car? Correct. And and you pulled the driver out to come back to the squad car? Right, and as I was talking to the driver, a gentleman came out of the house who I knew to be a known drug user, maybe sold drugs, and uh, so I told him to go back in the house and then I brought the driver of the vehicle back to my car. What was the weather like? Was it cold? Uh... It was cold, chilly, starting to blow a little snow. And that's why I was wanting to put him in my car with me so I could see if he'd been drinking or not. So you get back in the car, and so does he. He's up in the front seat with you? Correct. And I had no reason to search him, so I didn't at that time. But I said to him, are you sure you don't have a driver's license? He said, yeah, I've got one. And he reached in his back pocket. And then? He pulled a gun out, pointed it at me, and told me to give him my gun. What did you do? I told him in so many words, no. And then? Before I knew it, he started firing the weapon. Wow. So, Sam, 
on the Sunday night before Thanksgiving is responding to a kind of a routine complaint from a citizen about a suspicious car, which leads you to find the car, you pull it over, there is something suspicious about it, you're in the front seat of your own squad car, and the man who has so far refused to give you any ID pulls out a gun and starts firing. Yes. When we come back, I know everyone listening wants to understand what happened next. Standing on this mountaintop Looking just how far we've come Knowing that for every step You were with us Kneeling on this battleground Seeing just how much you've done Knowing every victory and struggles on the way but with joy our hearts can say yes our hearts can say Sam Hanna was a young patrolman, just 25 years old. It was a cold November night in Indiana. He had made a traffic stop, uh, pulled over a suspicious vehicle uh, because the driver refused to give any ID, 
and it was beginning to blow light snow, and the neighborhood itself was a little bit dicey, some known drug traffic in the area. He asked the driver of the car to get into the squad car with him while he does a check. And during that intersection, in that moment, the man who has been apprehended, still without a charge or just something suspicious, pulls out a gun and starts shooting at Sam Hanna, point-blank range, really, because you're both in the front seat of a police car. Yes, sir. You're behind the steering wheel. He's got a gun, and he starts shooting at you? What did you do? Can you remember it? Yes, sir. I took the first shot to my left cheek. The next shot hit my um, jaw. And then I remember lunging at him and starting to hit him to get him out of my car. Because I wasn't in my full uniform like I would normally be because I'd gotten called out earlier that day. I had a white shirt on, a pair of black pants, and I'd been wearing a shoulder rig all day uh, when we were looking for the escapee. So when we went in to eat supper, I'd taken my gun off and left it in my car. So when I made the traffic stop, I had the gun down in my belt. And so when we were in my car, and the way I was kind of turned, I could not get to my gun right away. So I lunged at him, started hitting him, um, grabbed his gun. I think I later found out that I, I either broke or fractured one of his fingers on his hand, but I knocked him out of my car. And altogether, I took six bullets during this altercation. So in the front seat, you're struggling with him. He fires six times yes. until at last he gets out of the car or you push him out. Yes, sir. And you're just lying there bleeding. Well, as he takes off running, I exit my vehicle my right arm was completely numb. My right wrist was numb. So I took my gun in my left hand and fired at him four times left-handed, but I missed him. You're telling me, Sam, that after being shot six times, six bullets in your body at point-blank range, you got out of the car and stood up and tried to fire back. I did fire back. Wow. But he escaped. He did. And what did you do? I sat back in my vehicle Back then, when an officer needed help, you'd say code five. So I said, my unit number was 16. So I picked my radio up. I said, 4816, I've been shot, code five. And what happens next? Uh, there's an immediate I'm, response? I'm sitting in my car. The radio operator was a very unique ma young man. Uh, he had been a dispatcher for us. Uh, then he um, went to state police as a dispatcher. But because we were going to be shorthanded that Sunday, uh, I had offered to buy him a steak dinner if he'd come <laughs> run radio for me that night. And he did. So when I called that in, uh, David was on the air talking to me. I could just picture him. He's talking to me on the radio with a phone in each ear, getting me help. And they sent help right away? Yes. And uh, you were taken to hospital? Well, uh, yes, but a little bit happened before that. While I was sitting there, the gentleman that I had sent back into the house that I had arrested before and knew who he was came out and put a blanket on me and um, then went back in the house. Then a couple of Anderson City police officers arrived and then a couple of county officers arrived and then the ambulance. And when the ambulance got there, they tried to get me out of the car, but because of the way I was turned, they couldn't lift me out. So I got out of the car and walked to the ambulance. And got to the hospital. Yes. When they get me to the hospital, they roll me into the emergency room, which time I spit a bullet out. <laughs> and 
I never had one bit of surgery. Uh, they cleaned me up, made me in the hospital for a couple of days. Uh, and the worst thing that happened to me was they kept putting soaks on the wounds so as to prevent infection, but I never had surgery. But that means you have some bullets still in your frame. Yeah, I have, I have one bullet in my back, that's all. That's still there? Yes. And Sam, in this experience, it had to have been terrifying at a, at a level for anyone, even a law enforcement officer who's prepared for moments like these. Still, you could have been shot dead your wife could have been widowed at a very young age. What were emotions? What kind of thoughts were going through your head as you were, even in the hospital, just being tended to? Well, my wife had grown up her whole life with her father being a quadriplegic. So I'm thinking, I can't do this to her. Mm-hmm. I mean, we want to have kids, we want to whatever. I've always wanted to be a public servant. But as it says in the Bible about being willing to give your life for your fellow man, to die for your brothers and sisters, I've always been willing to do that now. Do I want to? No. But that's what my job sometimes calls for. So and that's what you signed up for. That's what I signed up for. So as I'm sitting in my police car thinking all this stuff through my head, I said, God, I don't bargain with you. I'm not going to say, if you bring me through this, I would be a better man, a better Christian. I'll give twice the offering I've been given in church. I just said, God, this is yours. Whatever happens, may the glory be to you and not to me.
Sam Hanna was shot six times at point-blank range. A police officer who had made a traffic stop and found himself bleeding in hospital, his life on the line, he fully recovered. The man who shot him ultimately was apprehended, and uh, the assailant, you learned, was himself a person with a record. Is that right, Sam? Y- yes, sir. He had some kind of criminal history already and now is apprehended and will stand trial for shooting you. Yes, sir. And he was convicted? Yes. He pled guilty. He pled guilty and went to jail? Yes, 30 years. And one of the most remarkable parts of your story, Sam, to me is this, that you find yourself bleeding, having been shot several times in an unprovoked assault. The assailant runs away. Your life is on the line. And if you don't die, you could easily have been uh, disabled for a lifetime. So much at stake. And yet you're a man of faith. And there's something in you that would not allow you to carry a grudge against the man you did not even know who cost you so much. And is it true, Sam, that as you went through the next year in the shadow of this assault, going back to work and coming home at night, your wife has to be worrying at a different level now every day you drive off, that you actually met up with this guy in his prison cell and offered him a branch of forgiveness? Let me take just a little step back. I grew up my whole life Church of God, but I really didn't know what being a Christian was about. I go to Anderson College, and... I don't know if it's because it was the thing to do or the popular thing, but I became a Christian. But it wasn't until that night that I'm sitting in my police car that I realized what being a Christian was all about. It brought it all twofold, that I didn't hate the guy. I wasn't mad at him. I was scared, but yet I was at peace. And I was able to look at the whole situation and say that God's will be done. Because my my wife puts it so well. She talks about how she'd always been worried about me going off being a policeman every day, never knowing if I'm going to come home or not. And she talks about how growing up in the protective world that she did, with her dad being a quadriplegic, where one went, they all went. You know, they went to church every Sunday, every Sunday night. Dad coached softball for the church. She was never alone. Never alone. So now she's married this guy. I was going to save the world and take no prisoners. And I worked and thought about police work 24-7. But she said that night of my shooting, she quit worrying because she realized she wasn't in control anymore, that God was in control. And this quality of heart which you shared with me earlier, a verse in Scripture, which kind of captures this humility of spirit, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This this humility of spirit that Jesus can give, and this surrender into his hand that he invites you to give. That saw you through, even to the place of facing the man who shot you and extending your hand in friendship. Yes. Sam Hanna protects his community, has given his life to make it safe, and even at the risk of his own life. And the faith that has sustained him and empowered him, it's not the badge that he has carried, it's not the uniform he has worn, it's not even 
the weapon in his hand. It's his faith that has seen him through. And as you're listening today, maybe you think you're in harm's way, or maybe you think the world is beyond your control, or maybe you're not sure about the people behind you or in front of you, or even those who may be in law enforcement. Whatever your challenge, wherever you've been stretched, know this, the same Jesus to which he surrendered is glad to receive you too and can give you life. I want to encourage you today, no matter what the dangers are in the world and the road ahead of you, place your life into Jesus' hand and let him make of your heart gentleness and humility and love and grace. And you can also make this world a better place. Take a step that way by praying with us now. Our Father, we're so thankful for your hand on Sam Hanna's life. Thank you for watching over him way back when and watching over the man named Joe Thompson that actually shot him. Thank you for the way in which relationships have unfolded because Jesus is at work in Sam's heart and bridges of reconciliation were constructed even after a shooting. We pray, Lord, that we might all surrender into your hand, that we might also be instruments of your peace. And we have to trust you, Lord. We can't always figure life out, but this we know. If we walk with you, if we follow you, if we allow your spirit to govern us, all things will land well. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you'd like to know more about this same Jesus that walks with Sam and who is willing to walk with you, give us a call. If you'd like to have a copy of his book, Point Blank, we'll get one to you. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're anxious to hear from you. Alternatively, you can find us online. Just go to CBH, that's Christians Broadcasting Hope, cbhviewpoint.org. Read about the ministry there. Send us an email. We will reply. Or at the last, use the post. Just address a letter to me, Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us up, go online, or use the Postal Service, let us hear from you this week. Sam, thanks for giving us a glimpse of real life today, up close and personal, in your own journey. You're most welcome. And we thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join us again next week when Sam's going to be back with us. And he solved a case that was one of the most horrific crimes you can imagine. And yet, the Lord led him to a point where justice could be had. You won't want to miss it. That's next week on Viewpoint. For now, for all of us at the Viewpoint team, this is Jim Lyon. For all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, I say thanks for listening. Stay tuned.